Welcome to the start of our conversation on mental health and the gospel. To get this conversation started, I've been thinking about what many of us have experienced for the last 18 months. This has been a time like no other in many of our lives, where the constant pivoting and changes and unexpected has brought a lot of unexpected results in our own mental health experience and stories. So to start off our time together and to start off this conversation, I thought what a better place to start than to begin to lay the foundations for our conversation on anxiety and the gospel. I believe that in our time together, that we will have this opportunity to begin to mine God's word in modern psychology and bring them together to begin to understand what is it that the gospel has to say to our hearts, to our minds, and honestly, even to our bodies about what the Lord is doing to make us new in him. So today, we're gonna to start that conversation. I don't know about you, but many people that I've had conversations with over the last 18 months to honestly almost two years, they ex have experienced what is almost like a tsunami of emotions and feelings and things in their body that maybe they've experienced to a lesser level before, but has now grown to become something that is overwhelming and actually begins to impede their normal function. For the purposes of our conversations now and in the future, we can begin to have conversations on mental health and know that we have a struggle or we have a tendency when we're seeing some of these things we'll talk about. So as we talk about anxiety, many of us have that as part of our stories in the last year, year and a half, maybe even longer. When it becomes diagnosable is when it begins to meet certain criteria that the DSM has set out for us, which is a book and a manual that helps us understand when is this becoming something that is a bigger issue. But by and large, the one thing that we look for is that this issue, whether it's anxiety or depression or any other thing that comes in this way, is that it begins to interfere with our normal life. So I just want you to take that definition and I want you to tuck it away in your mind. Yes, I can have these tendencies and probably most of us have had these moments and these days where we've experienced this. But when it begins to overwhelm, when it begins to interfere, whether I see it or whether other people are telling me that it does, that is when we begin to get to that diagnostic place. So many of us see, right, that how we feel is what affects our emotions. And our emotions seem to affect our behavior. But where does this all start? And there's many different camps on this, many different thought positions. But I believe that as we look back at this emotions and our feelings and our thoughts, it is actually a very good opportunity to begin to see that much of what we think and feel, much of what even our body can experience, whether it's in shaking or sweating or racing heart or just a complete lack of energy, that much of what we experience in our body comes back to what we are experiencing in our emotions. And our emotions come back and anchor into what happens with our thoughts. But you see, the problem often is, is that we don't have an awareness all the time of what is going on in our thought life. We don't have an understanding of these things that become automatic thoughts that just lead us on a path. So this is where we're gonna start in our conversation of anxiety. 
some of the things that we're going to talk about might go a little slower than honestly even I would like them to have happen. But I think it's important that we are dissecting every piece of this process so that we can understand it in great depth. In our pursuit oftentimes of trying to get rid of anxiety, we want fast answers and we want it to go away. But that is not how we care for anxiety. And that is not actually how we understand what is going on. Because it's important to remember that anxiety is actually part of the way that God knit us together. It is not part of sin that you and I and as general and oftentimes for the common person, have anxious thoughts and feelings. It is actually part of this intricate alert system that the Lord has built inside of us that we're going to talk about over the coming weeks. It's an indicator light, almost like a little flag, a little, a little light on your dashboard that if we ignore it and try to get away, if I went into my engine and I just turned off all my indicator lights and I continued to drive without actually addressing the problem that was fueling that indicator light, we would get in pretty quick trouble. If I just put a piece of paper and tried to ignore that that indicator light was on, which I've recently done, it created a big problem. But we have an opportunity when we see this anxiety coming up inside of us to honor and to respect and almost treat it as a sacred opportunity. Something is going on in our story. Something's going on in our thoughts. Something is going on in our body that is giving us this feedback that we are able to respect and to see and to treat as sacred. That is an indicator that we need to look into something deeper and into something further. So if we go back and we start thinking about how do we think, I wanna introduce you a little bit to what is actually going on in your neurology and in your biology that is fueling this. And so the first thing I want to talk about today is these are cognitions, right? Thoughts are basically cognitions and cognitions is the mental action or the process by which information is traveling around in this beautiful, mind and this beautiful brain that we have. Structurally, this happens in the nervous system through our synapses. And a synapse is a structure that permits a neuron or a nerve cell to pass an electrical or chemical signal to another neuron. And this is how communicating happens in our brain. One single neuron can have thousands of synapses and all of our thoughts, all of our cognitions, they follow pathways and highways. Although it's kind of an imperfect example, it's this highway and pathway of thoughts. The more you think a thought, the wider the pathway. The less you think a thought, the more it narrows. In fact, we know from modern brain science that there are actually parts of our brain that if we begin to stop using, they get less and less activity and they actually tend to go offline. Now there's not brain damage there, there's just not a lot of electrical or chemical experience going on in that part of the brain. And for us to actually oftentimes function, as God has created the brain to function, we need our whole brain to be online and we need it to be connected to each other. I think in our conversations, you will begin to see that there's a theme of being connected to ourselves and being connected to other people that will be one of the greatest takeaways. 
if I could boil down some of these first probably 10 or 12 weeks in the discussions that we're going to be having, it will be, am I growing greater in connection to understanding myself? And am I growing greater in my connection to other people? So these synapses, they form these highways. And I want to show you a picture of what this ultimately creates. Ultimately, this creates something called the connectome. And the connectome, you'll see in all of these colors, these are different highways and byways and pathways and communication structures that our magnificent and wondrous brain has to be able to talk to ourselves and to communicate to other people. And this develops when we are born, and this develops continually as we learn and watch the world around us. As small children, different circumstances can form the connections. Different circumstances can tell us something is okay, and different circumstances can tell us something is not okay. That is why our developmental main goal of being an infant ages zero to two is that we're learning to trust the world around us because it's actually building a reflection of trust in our brains to see what is going on and to perceive situations. Many of these pathways, many of these roads are beautiful and we learn to trust. We learn that we are loved. We learn that we can tr are safe. But many times in many people's stories, this is the beginning of writing different big T trauma or little t trauma. We're going to talk about that in the weeks to come because it's one of my current favorite subjects to understand because I think it is so extremely helpful for where many of us find ourselves right now. But this connectome and this situation, this whole entire pathway road system in our minds, this is where the cognitions start and it is how they travel. And we believe that how we deal with this aspect, our thoughts, what is going on in our minds and in our very brain activity to pull these thoughts to our mind, to connect them to one another and to live them out is actually the beginning of so much opportunity for change. So I want you to consider the words of 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Because oftentimes, you and I have thoughts, right? And they don't lead us to where we're trying to go. These thoughts do not lead us to our purpose. They do not lead us on a journey that is part of our created purpose and who God is trying to grow us to be. In fact, if anything, they begin to completely distract us and to destroy us. 2 Corinthians 10, actually verse 4 begins and it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy these strongholds, these thought patterns, these ways that our mind tries to lead us in directions. Therefore, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And I think all too often, the scripture in our minds can reflect the communication, the conversations, and the debate and the argument that we're having with other people. And absolutely, does it apply to that? But the first and foremost battleground for destroying thoughts that raise themselves against the knowledge of God is in our own minds. 
So my deepest desire is that you and I grow in awareness of what is even going on in our thoughts. If I see that I'm having this behavior and I see that I'm having this emotion, where is this starting? Sometimes for me, it's been very challenging to actually own that process, to actually understand where are these thoughts growing from? Where are these behaviors growing from? Where are these emotions coming from? But the work is actually mandated here in 2 Corinthians. And it is actually part of one of the most beautiful journeys that we can have is to be honest with ourselves as to what lies or, or, or misconceptions or honestly sometimes even ignorances that we have that is actually stirring what this looks like. And one of the greatest ones in my story recently has been if my theology supports and understands that God is with me, how many times in these situations am, would you look at my life and the way I'm dealing, whether it's with my children or whether it's a stressful situation, and you would see that my theology is not actually affecting that moment the way that the Lord would want it to. Because my thought, the opinion that's being raised, the argument in my head is maybe that I'm all alone, that it's all up to me, I have to fix the situation, and I have to get it together. That is a lofty argument going on in my mind. I would have told you never. That is not there. I believe 100% that God is with me. But yet, in these moments, if I was to be honest, it's not translating into the life of being frazzled and being very overwhelmed, mostly in parenting. So this is our first and our starting point in this conversation as we continue to talk about what it is that we have anxiety in the gospel and how these things merge, my deepest and most sincere prayer is that our time together will allow you to think about these topics in a way that is fresh, in a way where you're able to see that the power of the Holy Spirit is absolutely at work in all of these different steps. And in a way that even today, you are able to see that your mind was not created to be a free-for-all for your thoughts to jump and pinball around wherever they want to go. But your mind is created to support you in who God has made you to be, and it is created to support you to be growing His kingdom first and foremost, not only in this world around us, but that His kingdom of peace and His kingdom of joy and his kingdom of stability and reasonableness would actually also be manifest in your own heart, in your mind, and even in your body. So I hope that you will join us next time in our continued conversation of what this looks like. But until then, press on. 